Welcome to Project Chatter, the podcast where PPM experts from various sectors talk about the latest trends. Listen to Val and Dale as they talk about tried and tested best practices and share their unfiltered thoughts about the industry. Whether you're here to learn how to progress your career, improve your project control skills, or just want to hear an Aussie and South African rant about projects, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Project Chatter podcast with your hosts, Dale Fung and Val Matthews. This podcast is brought to you by Plan Academy. Plan Academy is the world's leading learning site for anyone working in construction, project management, or project controls. At Plan Academy, you learn construction, planning, and scheduling theory, how to master scheduling software like Primavera P6, and even advanced construction scheduling techniques. Plan Academy's courses are 100% online and at your own pace. You can learn at the office, at site, from home, anywhere. Check out planacademy.com today for free sample lessons and tons of free video. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by justdo.com. Justdo is a great business and project management tool we've been using here at Project Chatter. I agree, Val. I like to keep things simple and Justdo is perfect for that. But I do know it's got a lot of powerful functionality as well. And one of my favorites is the task-specific chat. Absolutely. And for all you slackers, don't wait for Monday. Check out justdo.com. Now on with the pod. Hello, project people, and welcome to the Project Chatter podcast. I'm Val Matthews, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dale Fung. Hey, Val. Hi, folks. Well, in this episode, we were hoping to talk to Fred Shabesta, the co-founder of Finder, about DevOps and blockchain, but unfortunately, he couldn't make it tonight. However, we do have our marketing superstar, Siri, on the line, ready to talk about leadership in project management. Um, and before we do, I'll just quickly hop over to Siri. Siri, are you there? Hello, everyone. Um, are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Val? Good as always. Um, I am ready when you are. So far away. Dale, you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm excited. So, um, yeah, so we, we, we've we asked Siri to put us in the hot seat because she was asking us a whole bunch of Ooh. questions um, around leadership, uh, particularly in the project management space. And um, we thought, you know, let's hit record and, and share share some of that conversation. So I'm really excited to uh, hear what Siri's got to ask us. Um, also a little bit nervous as well, but let's see what <laughs> she comes up with. So yeah, over to you, Siri. <laughs> um, so today's topic is going to be about leadership and project management. And um, my first question is, how do you guys differentiate managing from leadership like there's managing and then there's leadership so that's easy for me um i'll let i'll I'll go quickly um and then val can give his long view because he always has great things to say about this but mine's easy um if you're a manager you're probably the one that's uh signing off timesheets uh and annual leave um and doing performance and development type conversations uh, but if you're a leader, uh, you have people that follow you. You don't need a title. Simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was deep. And well. it's it's very it's along the similar lines. Um, I, I mean, I don't necessarily differentiate. I think they kind of work symbiotically. They're they're partners, if you like. So to be a good leader, you've got to be a good manager. To be a good manager, you have to be a good leader. So I think they're they're almost like this. Um, connected skill. So my view is that 
um, management is 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 kind of doing the things, going through the motions. You you'll manage a herd, but you won't lead a herd. So you can manage what's in front of you, but you can't see beyond. And so for that compelling vision, you need some type of leadership. Uh, so so a leader looks forward, and a manager looks at what they have today. That would be my kind of differential. So based on what you're saying. Um do you think it's easy for a project manager to um, be a leader uh, with the constraints that um, you know they have? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've, I've certainly worked with a, a whole bunch of project managers that are, are great leaders. Um, whether or not they're it, whether whether or not they acknowledge that that's part of their role as a project manager. Because um, I, I used to say this in interviews, they'd be like, oh, explain project management to me. And I would say, well, it's actually people management and it's situational. And there's a, there's a, there's a whole collection of, I guess, um, soft skills, they used to call them, but behavioral skills that are required to be a really good project manager. And one of them is obviously managing a team, but all the other one is, is leading them forward. And I think a lot of the time we, we don't emphasize enough training um, in that space so if there's project managers listening and they want to be good leaders I, I very rarely would you see someone who uh was born to be a great leader i think this is that nature versus nurture kind of conversation siri and that mm. i actually think that good leaders great leaders train themselves um and educate themselves on leadership styles and all that stuff um and so that that would be my response. I'll add to you, mate. I made that short. Hopefully, <laughs> no. I I guess along the similar lines. I don't think just because your project manager makes you a leader, and maybe it's part of that acknowledgement that you talk yeah. about, Val. But mm. at the same time, I, I I was thinking while you're chatting, and you know, we've spoken previously on pods about you know how we hire in the project management space, not just project managers, but you know, across the board, PMO, engineering, wherever it may be, and whether you're just hiring on technical capability or competency or whether there's more sort of leadership aspects that you that you look at. And perhaps sometimes it's got to do with that, that we don't hire correctly into project management um, in terms of the leadership aspect. But then also it goes back to, we've also discussed demand and supply as more um, people uh, deem what they're doing projects and they look for project managers. And project management is quite a loose term, right? So if you're on a small project, you're doing everything. You're doing everything from your cost scheduling, risk, people management, the works. When you're a larger one, project management is largely just about getting shit done, right? Just delivering, delivering, delivering because you got the PMO team out there looking at your cost schedule, risk, et cetera. You got the commercial team worrying about the contract and you got the engineering team um, kind of getting away with it, getting on with the technical aspects. And then perhaps there, when you just focus on delivery and you've got this large team, maybe that's actually where leadership plays a larger part. So I don't think it's a straight answer to that question. I think it, it depends. But it is similar. It's similar to you know how you draw leadership because le- leadership is situational as well, uh, and so is project management. I think is what right. I understand from what you're saying. So, therefore, um, future project managers who are you know training in universities to be 
efficient project managers in the future what 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 sort of advice would you give them and um what do you think should they really look forward to in the real you know field yeah it's a, it's it's a tough one that again because the first thing is it depends which industry they're going into and mm-hmm. the size and complexity of their projects um if 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 we start from a basic um perspective and say right if you're a project manager on a smaller project and that's where a lot of project management managers start um they they will have to consider all the aspects so some of the best project managers i've worked with actually have done planning have done um sort of cost management have you know have looked at consider the commercial aspects and that's all project management essentially it's it it's just just because we have mega projects and give those roles different names it's all project management right um so that's one route is to understand all the technical skill um but then what i would do and and i know val's done this as well in his sort of 20s i did it as well and maybe even before that read a lot of books read what people have done especially the mistakes they've done around um behavior and leadership as well um there's also um stuff around emotional intelligence um so th- there's a lot a lot of reading reading's good listen to podcasts listen to project shadow podcast there's a good one um but then there's another route that comes to mind is where you can actually be part of a major large um mega project and you can actually go through the apprentice route or maybe assistant project manager route but that's also difficult because you don't necessarily choose the manager or leader that you work with but that's okay as well as long as the organization is big enough if the 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 person that you're working for doesn't perhaps exemplify leadership qualities that that that's necessary look for those outside of your realm so there might be a project manager on a different project or project director above them that you go actually I really like what they're doing I like the way they bring people together I like the way they communicate I like their style they're charismatic something we we're talking about before um and maybe those are the aspects that you want to try and emulate and learn from getting a coach uh someone that you trust is good uh and a mentor as well um and those two things are slightly different and I'm sure Val will go into that but yeah there's a whole host of things that you could look at um so that hopefully gives you a flavor Val right That's a good answer. Um I I agree with everything that they all just said um and I don't presume to know everything that makes or what what a project manager needs as such I'm I'm a little bit out of the circle of project management now but I think there's two things that seem to carry weight wherever you go. One of them is empathy and the other one is data. And I'm I'm running a presentation based on embracing data for project controls expo if you can if you can join that that'd be great but it's about reading two of them and 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 so there's a thing called sensory acuity which is really important and it's kind of like emotional talent it's intelligence but it's it's more about awareness um so you want to know how to read empathy and you want to know how to read data and two of them will elicit a whole bunch of insights and then you can respond based on the information that you uh curate from those uh those value sets what i don't find and i think they all mentioned a few times like in, you know mentoring presentations coaching all, all of these things are kind of facets on the on the tool belt of a of a good project manager who should be training what i don't find though is in all the institutions who train project management uh that they have adequately prepared them for a digital world 
And I guess situationally, it depends on the size of the project again, but you're going to have to adopt some level of intelligence. Let's call it DQ, digital quotient, um, some type of digital intelligence that makes you faster, better, um, and more adaptive and agile. Because if you think that PMBOK or some other type of methodology, like uh, we talked about critical path method, like you, you can't just learn that methodology. It, it's, it's obsolete on its own now. And there's so many other big data sets that you can bring into that to have a more informed decision and be more informative to the executives that I think if you just worked out your path, and I think Dale mentioned it, but the other thing is to have a training roadmap. I think a lot of, a lot of PMs, well, I, I'm guilty of this as well, and so are you, Dale, is we rely on the company to provide us a development plan. We join a company and we say, right, we're here. Um, what's my training and development plan? And then we have a high expectation. Let's say we're ambitious and the company doesn't meet our expectations of that development plan or that development training plan. And that, that pisses people off, right? And, and sometimes it can cause people to leave. But in actual fact, that development training plan is your responsibility. Uh, so if you're not getting it from the company, then you should be looking for it externally. And, and Dale mentioned mentorship. I think mentorship is a great uh, source of uh, insight and perspective um and then coaching is that kick up the ass when you know you you've been sitting on your back and you're letting fear dictate your decisions and someone says you know just do it and you go oh yeah i, I should just get on with it now um so i just wanted to finish that but sensory acuity if you can if anyone's listening is can research that and then come back to empathy and data as a project manager there's a there's a full development path for that and and that takes you into the data science realm and that takes you into the leadership realm. Right. Um, and Dale, what, how do you differentiate um, leadership in general from leadership in project management? How, how are they different? Um, I don't think there's a lot of difference, to be honest. Um, for, for, for me, there's a whole host um, of aspects to leadership. It's, Val's mentioned a couple of them, you know, empathy one authenticity i think is key as well um don't lie don't bullshit people um don't play True. politics yeah just just be yourself who you are have conviction be vulnerable all these things it doesn't matter if you're a leader in project management or in general that's what you want i mean we've spoken before as well you can take so much from sports teams into the business mm. space and if you look some of the best captains of sports teams, they often become motivational speakers for leadership in business as well. Some of the best coaches in the world, whether it's cricket or rugby or soccer, football, um, you know, those that have won the World Cups and, and things like that, they go into businesses and they talk about being good leaders. Um, and that transcends all the way through whether you're a project management leader, someone in finance, um, whatever it is, operations, um, maintenance. If you want to lead people, it comes back to just people, right? People want to be inspired. They want to be, they want to feel um, that they belong to something that's doing something great or amazing. Um, and unless you as a leader believes in that and, 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 and truly creates that environment, then how the hell are they supposed to do it? Right? So that, that's what, that would be my take on it. And you well, yeah, I was just uh, taking in Dale's 
thoughts there. Well, I, I, I'm almost to the point now where I think so collectively um, when I talk, they say, what do you do? And I say people and data, and that's pretty much my answer for everything, but I can't do that now. But I think the construct is far better than the content. So there is no difference um, because any hierarchical structure will have the same form of, of leadership requirements and, and as you mentioned, uh, people requirements. So if you want to give people um, purpose and meaning, which actually leads them to be more happy or happier, um, that's a sign of a good leader. You know. So if someone sees a compelling vision and they're contributing to it and it, it gives them purpose and meaning and their objectives are aligned with the project's objectives, with the business objectives, then you have this kind of synergy and this harmonious environment. And they normally call that like a high-performing uh, high team. And I've seen that happen and it's, it's fantastic. Everyone's buzzed and everyone feeds off each other and it's, it's a snowball of, of great uh, energy. Um, and so there, there is no differential. I think if you're training to be a leader in any hierarchical structure, the attributes and the qualities are the same. Um, and I think just adding to Dale's point that uh, humility is a, is, a great, is a great way to just step out yourself and, and do a bit of a... Uh, you know, an ego check and make sure that your driving is authentic and that uh, you truly understand your position is not to reign over people and terrorize them. It's actually to lift them up. And I've always got this uh, statement in my mind. I think it was from one of my good managers when I was uh, learning, which was never stand in the way of good people. So good people come and go. Like you can't always control the environment you're in. Um, but if they leave for a better job, like Dale did, and I'm still cut about that, by the way. No, I'm just joking. Um, it, that it, you know, you you foster that, you encourage that, you embrace it, and you know, it's a small world, and and you end up um, creating a really thriving, uh, supportive culture, and that that travels and it transverses across companies and and organizations and. And it's, it's such a wonderful thing to do and it's such a great thing to do for your brand as well. Um, we forget about that as part of the project management journey that you you have this personal brand that, well, now more than ever with social media is there for everybody to see. So how do you want to be remembered um, is, is such a really important uh, philosophy of mine. That, and that, that does help you draw some humility back into your life as well. Well, hang on a second. What am what are my intentions? What am I here to do? Is it all about me? Am I am I doing the right thing for for everybody? And balancing that between your own personal objectives and and where you want to see the team or the people that you're managing go. Yeah, just to add to that, Val, while we were chatting, I was remembering the time we spoke to Tim Rudman, uh, season one, and we asked him a similar question, and he said, "Well, the first thing he does, he goes into a new team, or if he gets a new team." And what, that's one of the most difficult things when you're inheriting people, right? You're inheriting a team and you, you, you mm. haven't got that relationship. He says the first yeah. thing he does is he gets him in a room and he goes, look, you don't know me. I don't know you, but I'm going to tell you one thing from the get-go is I need you to have my back because I've got yours. And isn't that a great way to start building trust, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's bang on. Man. Yeah. I think having, um, I call it, the, well, they call it psychological safety, but it's it's all about trust. I mean, you want to work for someone who you know has your back, appreciates the work that you do and the hours that you put in, 
because let's be honest, we say 38 hours a week, but no one on projects ever works 38 hours a week that I know of. Um, and when stuff does get hairy, you, know, you want him to, I think from a leadership perspective, just going back to one of your original questions, the leader, you know, Leaders Eat Last, that's a Simon Sinek book. If you want to read it, it's a great book. Um, great start book. with Why, another good book by Simon. Um, but that's, a, you know, a lot of these tricks and tips and, and uh, lectures are about him studying the military and how they work and operate. And that's it. You, you kind of die on the, you fall on the sword. That's what a leader's role is. Like you're the first one to get shot at, you're the first one out on the field and the last one off. That's, that's the rule. Um, and so if you haven't read anything like that, I won't go into it now, but I would recommend having a read. They're really good. And Val, uh, again, um, what yeah. do you have a certain type of leadership style or, um, communicational style that you try to abide by while um, dealing with your team members um, or, you know, colleagues? Yeah, is, I mean, is- there's, yeah, I appreciate that question. I think there's a few different styles out there, but I, I'm pretty certain democratic suits most situations, not all. Um, again, with, with leadership styles, you've got to be adaptive enough to change uh, because you can't be everyone's friend all the time, let's be honest. If you're in a leadership role, sometimes you've got to have difficult conversations, so I'm not swaying that by any way. But if, you, if you've if you got the trust of the team and they agree and you agree that there's a problem that needs to be fixed, let's say it's the performance of the team, then you want to discuss the options openly and you get consensus then. Um, and the great thing about doing it democratically is that when you commit to a plan, they hold themselves accountable so it's on their own merits, merits of character that, that they finish the job and get it done. And, and so you don't really need to push them, which is you know, probably a, a really difficult thing to do when you, you have poor performing players. You don't necessarily want to do that. You don't want to pull people out and tell them they're not doing a good job and put them back in. You, you kind of want them to run on their own steam. And that's, 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 what, a, well, that's what I think real leadership is, is when if you, if you have a sick day, the team runs without you. You know what I mean? A lot of projects, you know, if the manager's not there, the whole the whole team goes to shit, and they're like, "Oh, we don't know what to do," and you have these critical points of failure, and that's not that's not a good leadership model to to emulate. I think I think Dale and I both say, you know, you you kind of want to make yourself redundant in a way. Like if if I can pull myself out of team, but the team has enough energy and drive and knows what the goal is and mission to run without you, then you've done your job. Do you have something to add to that, Dale? Uh, not too much, to be honest. Um, I, surprisingly, I agree with mm. Al. <laughs> um, I, I think on for the record, I, I think, yeah, for the record. Um, <laughs> and I, and I think it's because you know we we did work together for for a while, and um, you know we spoke a lot about this, and so our views on leadership and and what it takes are, are very similar in that respect. Um, and and we're often sharing, um, you know, the books we've read and the, and the things that we've come up with, and. So that, that's why we have a, a very similar view. Um, I guess in terms of my style, does it differ from what Val says? Um, no, again, I think it's, uh, you're asking, I think before we'd record about situational type leadership and um, yeah, yeah it, 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 it's largely that, right? And I think for me, if, if my style, I think, I think is if I can get a team to a place where I can see everyone's having fun, being part of that team and doing the job and, and delivering, then mm. 
that that's that's where I want to get to. So my, my style is about creating the right environment um, for everyone to enjoy what they're doing, um, but but also delivering um, what they should be delivering at the same time. Yeah, but um, so the word situational is used a lot and like, you know, it depends on the context is always used a lot. And um, do you think like um, to know what to do in a, in a certain situation or context requires a certain amount of awareness? And do you think uh, everyone possesses that amount so, of awareness? Yes, now? to your first one, absolutely. You have to be aware of what's happening. Um, if you're not aware of what's happening, then you will really struggle as a leader or even a manager. Um, to your second question, does everyone possess that? No, uh, I, I certainly don't possess all of it today even. Um, I, I'd like to think that I'm a better leader than I was even a year or two years ago, uh, but definitely from five years ago, um, I, I'm a better leader today. Is there more I can do? Absolutely. And I'm learning every single day. I think that's also part of being a leader is that you don't know it all and that um, there, there is always more to add. And then I guess the follow-up question to that is, well, if I don't have it all, how do I um, you know, gain the experience or the know-how um, mm. in, in what to do in, in different situations? Well, one is put yourself in that situation. Two is, again, coming back to, do you have the mentors and coaches in place that you can go to and talk to? And maybe it doesn't have to be as official as a mentor or coach. Maybe it's just someone you know that's been in that situation. Reach out to them and go, well, what, what would you do or what did you do when this happened? Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's one of those where I think it's a continuous learning aspect of leadership. I have an interesting question for you, Val. <laughs> um, so uh, when it comes to ethics, right? Like now you're all like, oh, situational. But <laughs> how are you going to deal with uh, um, a certain situation which requires you to make hard decisions when it comes to ethics and um yeah well obviously everything is situational and you can say everything's contextual and you can say everything's based on definition and that's an easy way out so thanks for bringing that up siri um there's a there's a there's a there's a caveat to that which is moral leadership is is to do the right things um and it's kind of like character and integrity where you you do the right things when no one's looking but Remember Sarah Dale? I can't remember her last name. You, you, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, she had a, a statement that she used to say or a phrase that she learned in the army, and it, it affected me so much that I tell my kids the same thing. And it was something like, um, uh, "The standard you walk past is the standard you accept." And so, if you know something's wrong, and you don't do anything about it, then you're accepting the way it is. And I think. There's a lot to be said about project managers not standing up to the plate when they know the practices that the business is pushing on them is wrong. And there's a lot of intimidation and then there's a lot of sensitivities around that subject matter. Um, and this is where true leadership, moral leadership steps up. And you have to be courageous and you have to be brave. And again, you have to fall on the sword. You have to be the one to do it. And I can think of a number of times I've done that. Um, one was where, uh, if you want an example, <laughs> no names, full names where, and surnames, addresses as well, phone numbers if you got them. <laughs> it's in my will. <laughs> so the, if I'm not a 
alive tomorrow, you know why. Uh, but <laughs> no, it's not that bad. Um, but where they were, f- you know, for the client, they were factoring the risk exposure value for those that understand what I'm talking about to meet the contingency value rather than looking at risks as an unknown probability, you know, or probability slash likelihood factor. They were making contingency and exposure equal in order to kind of um, hoodwink the client. And because I was running the PMO, that kind of fulfilled within my domain and I refused. I refused despite all the executive kind of decisions made without my input. I refused to send that to the client. I refused to be involved. And I, I actually wrote a statement back to them uh, which said something along the lines of, I won't, will not be involved. This is why this is wrong, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then I think a couple of hours after that, I put my resignation in. So for me, and that was a really important turning point in the particular role that I was in, that, um, and hopefully this doesn't scare me off from future work because I'd love to work with you still. Uh, but I, I do have um, a moral compass and, I'm willing to lose my job over it, um, but not a lot of people can be in that position, and that that puts a bit of a strangle on how how ethical can you be when you have responsibilities? And I think this is a dilemma that a lot of people have this this ethical paradox where, well, okay, well, I want to do the right thing, but I also want to, you know, make sure that I have a job so that I can pay for my kids and my wife, and you know, whatever it is that your obligations are such, and it almost pressurizes you into a position where you've got to make a choice, and a lot of Project managers that I know have made the wrong choice, and and not by not by decision, but there's almost a culture then that develops around it. Well, then if you've got a culture of project managers that are all doing the same thing, and you become the one person that doesn't, um, you know, we're, we're hardwired not to do that. We're hardwired not to go against the tribe. There's a heavy psychological reason why we go along with the group. It's called groupthink, and it's a very dangerous concept on projects. And this is generally why projects end up overrunning everyone decides yep not the project's on track there's no risk exposure on this project there's no problem client there's no problem when in actual fact they all know there is but none of them want to and and sometimes they don't even realize what they're doing it's it's a it's like a mob mentality um so yeah so i just obviously went over time on that but it's a really really interesting issue it's it's a great it's a great issue though right um, the other one that the, the other one that popped uh, saying that popped into my mind when you brought up the saying is, and this one's probably a little bit more dark and light, right? It's evil Ooh. prevails when good people do nothing, right? Yeah, very who simple. Said who said that one? I don't know who said it, but I've heard it a few times from a few different people. Like a Churchill thing, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. But it's great, um, simple as well. Yeah, Does that answer so, your question? Sorry. Um, it partially answers my question because I also um, I think you know ethics is such a complicated topic in itself and um, um, the definitions sort of uh, vary so what for you is ethics Uh, and do you think a leader should just look at the collective good sometimes um, versus like you know their own individual moral compass so where do you stand? Um, well, this is the, and you, you, you'll hate me for saying situational, but this is the dilemma that I kind of mentioned before is that people, 
people are put put in this position where they have to decide whether they go along with the group or you know do what's best interest of the group despite knowing that it's wrong personally or the other way around it could be either or other mm-hmm. and and I put for me for me obviously it's it's a clear black and white I'm, I'm very clear on what my positions are I, I know my craft very well and those and those project managers that are willing to be brave I encourage you to step up and say no more um, because you you may lose a job um, but you won't lose respect and that type of credibility will eventually um, um, become part of your brand and that's an important thing I think have more moral leadership and project managers but it, it, it it's hard to make a statement on it for every situation um, right it's like um you know there's there's a few you know scenarios like the crossroad scenario i don't know what the name of it is a paradox where you've got an autonomous vehicle um or you're driving a car let's say you're driving a car siri and Mm -hmm. your car is out of control the brakes are gone and you have two choices and one veers off into a road with uh you know a woman and a baby uh, and and the other road veers off into a group of people let's say they're old people just to make it fair and you have the choice. So you can slam into the, the poor pregnant woman or you can slam into the, the many. And it's the one-to-many discussion. And it's a, it's a very hard thing right. to say to anything. And this is one of the hard things about AI and machine learning is like, well, what do you, what do you train it to do on, in a situation where even, even humans have moral dilemmas with it? And, and I think not to that degree, but project managers have a, have a variant of that. In their job like they could lose their job which could cause all sorts of things or they can go along um you know and tell themselves all sorts of promises well i'm with the group and i'll survive for another couple of years and i'll get out but but you know, these are these are very hard uh, conversations to have internally i think i don't know we you you, you got any ideas on that dale yeah um it, it's a tough one as well because i was just thinking serious question was you know ethics what is it and you know how does it vary and ethics can be bad just because it's unethical doesn't mean it's good or bad because you can have bad ethics right so when you have group ethics as you're referring to that Mm -hmm. are bad maybe unethical (laughs) unethics perhaps um it's it's when your personal ethics clash with group ethics right that's when you have to make the decision, which one reigns. And if the group ethic is poor or bad, and you think yours is, um, I guess, better in in terms of doing the right thing, um, then that's when you should speak up and say, hey, actually, you know, this is not right. We should not be doing this. And that's also great as well, because a lot of people fall into the whole group thing. They come and they they want to be part of the clan, right? They want to be accepted. Mm. So, oh, okay, so this is what everyone expects. These are the mm. ethics. And so maybe that's how I should behave. And that's human nature. We all want to be part of something, right? We want to be part mm. of the, the team, the clan, the group, whatever the case may be. But there does come a point, and, and this is what Val's alluding to, where you've got to ask yourself, is that necessarily the right thing to do? If everyone's going to jump into the fire, are you going to jump in as well, <laughs> you know? Um, and it's just about, I guess, back to your earlier question about awareness is, am I aware that that action is like jumping into the fire? <laughs> so yeah, that, that, that's, I, I like to keep it simpler than well. Um, 
So that, that would be my, my addition to it. Sorry. Interesting answers. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to move on to my next question. What role do you think um, does communication play in bringing things together? It, it could be any task. And then, um, you know, do you think there's like a bias when leaders sort of uh, delegate tasks and communicate with their team members? And um, do you think that sort of um, obstructs in the amount of productivity? There's a, is that Val or myself? Or both, of us? Um, both of you. You go, Val. <laughs> you go oh, first. Yeah. <laughs> so the, I'm trying to break down the question. So the first part of the question, sorry, can you repeat that for me? Uh, I'm saying, do you think um, while communicating with your team members, you have a certain amount of bias uh, which could obstruct um, in the productivity of the task? Gotcha. Is it is it like a is, is it like a complicated? No 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 no. There's just big words in there. I'm not used. To, <laughs> I'm not used to big words, Siri. So I just have to break down the big words into smaller words and and make sure I give you credit because that's a good I'm question. I'm an amateur. <laughs> <This> <laughs> no, you're not. You're doing great. You're doing great. So so <laughs> let me break it into those those formats of communication to start with. Communication is is 100%, well, let's say it's 95% of the role. Um, and I used to say a funny thing. I used to say uh, it's 90% marketing, 10% sales, and they'll remember me saying this because not marketing is about delivering the message, right, and engaging in the message. And people are like physically like this is a great thing we're thinking about. And then 10% sales is closing, closing the vision. And that's all about comms. And so biases are in, inherently part of being human. You cannot observe from your perspective the world without having some type of filtration system. And that is a large debate. I mean, there's, there's thousands and thousands of papers on how this works, and it happens to be something that I'm studying right now, which is great. But, but the, the way it works is effectively you've got an internal representation of the environment around you. That is your internal representation. It is no one else's. So regardless of what you perceive as reality, we could never perceive exactly what you see. And there's mm -hmm. a quote, I think I gave it to the 4D guys in our last one, but it's the same. We can bring it up again. Alfred Kulzybski says, the map is not the territory. So Siri, if you created a map, it would never truly reflect the reality. Let's say you draw a street map. Regardless of how much detail you put into that map, it would never be 100% the reality that you're living in. And that's how our internal representations work. And they're based on our belief systems and our values. And so when you look at something, um, and, and that is situational, unfortunately. <laughs> I have to use that word again. But, but it defines how you respond. So there will be some form of intel data that you receive your brain will internally represent that through your value and belief systems and come up with a response and so without a doubt the way you communicate um, is going to have some level of bias um, let's say you've been in projects that have always done really bad and well let's say you've been part of teams that have always performed really bad and regardless of what your team looks like now you only perceive them as bad um, that's very 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 common you can you can definitely um 
carry baggage over. Um, you probably see it more in relationships and effectively that's what projects are. But even in personal life, when you have an ex-girlfriend that's crazy and then you bring some, you know, whatever it could be, or you, maybe she made you incredibly crazy jealous and then you bring that excess baggage to your next relationship and now you're a crazy jealous guy and there's no reason to be, but you perceive things differently. You know, you're reading text messages and you're stalking them at night on social media. I don't know. I made that up. Um, did, did you I? really? Or did I? I don't know. <laughs> well, as I said, I'm studying this. I'm reading all sorts of stuff. Um, so, so you, so does bias? So the question really is: Does does biases affect productivity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're a leader, it does. I think yes, it would. And there's probably a whole bunch of reasons that I'm not qualified to answer. But but from my perspective, if you're leading people and you have a a filtration system or a filter on that is not productive or is negative in a way or self-destructing. Let's say you're not a positive person and you're responsible for you know, 25 people. Well, that can have a massive impact on how productive they are without a doubt, without a doubt. And you don't need to do any real science on that. That's common sense. And you will see that in projects. People, you'll wonder, you'll you'll see people treat other people with such disrespect and you, you just really wonder why. I mean, I get curious about it and my Dale does as well. And you'll say, well, what the hell is he acting like that before? And there's some presuppositions to understanding internal representations. And then one of them is people are not their behavior. It's a really important one. So just because someone acts in a certain way, that's not them. If, if, if people understood just this one concept of people, people are not their behavior, you would have a whole open mind about the behaviors they represent. And back to Dale's point around awareness, you'd be like, oh, and you get curious then, and you're like, I'm really curious why they're behaving that way. I wonder what it is. And it triggers a different type. It's a bit more emotive. It's a bit more empathetic. And you, you try to get to the root cause, and you try to build some trust, and you, 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 would, you would go a different way than that guy's just an arsehole, and then you've labeled that guy. And, and then perceptively, you will always label that person as an arsehole. And it's very difficult to then shape that image that you've labeled them with. Um, so, yeah, again, agree with your point biases biases do affect productivity and <laughs> <laughs> i guess i'll take on the other bit of it about comms and the different types of comms and how it affects it I, I i think yes absolutely and to val's point that you know sometimes those people you label as dicks they don't know sometimes that their communication style comes across like that so feedback's really yeah, they, they don't know sometimes. They, they think that it's perfectly fine, but they don't know how yeah. what they're yeah. doing is affecting other people. And so if they're not asking for it, it may be worth having conversation with them. And there's ways to have that. We're not going to go into that here. But sometimes communication is two ways, right? So if I'm receiving something that's not potentially what I agree with the right way, give that feedback, you know, and, and work your way out on how to do that. Um, sometimes they just don't know how to change their communication style. Sometimes that's the only communication style they have. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's worked for them in the past. So why shouldn't it work for them now? Well, that's because people change and we have millennials now and they're not, you know, the same people you worked with when you were in your 20s. So you've got to change your style. But there's a whole host, a whole host to it. Um, and I, I, I'd like to just give simple advice. And if you want to find out if your communication style is working or not, try and delegate and, and give an instruction and then ask that person to say, what did I just ask you to do? And see if they tell you the same thing back. And play back, yeah. yeah. Play it back straight away. And mm. if it's not what 
you the same picture you have in your mind is what you said, then obviously what you're saying, it, it, it's not being conveyed correctly. Because often you'll see this, right? And I hate this, but an email will go out to the whole team and you sitting in, you know, someone sitting in their ivory tower and they sent this email out. And a week later they go, why didn't anyone do this? I'm like, oh, were you, <laughs> or why did you do it wrong? And you're like, um, oh, sorry, didn't know it was wrong or didn't know where to do it. Or, and they go, but I put it in the email. And you're like, okay, <laughs> I didn't see that. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of like, you, you've got to look at all aspects. It's not a simple answer. And Val went into the whole host of things, which is great because it's, it's a very complex thing, but keep it simple is figure out if your personal communication style is what you want to focus on and, and you want to know if that's working, seek feedback. And it's kind of what we do with the podcast as well. We ask people, listeners to feedback and we get amazing feedback. Um, but the feedback we actually value the most is the criticism and how we can improve. Yeah. So it, it, the, the praise is great, Doug. It, it's fantastic to hear how much we're contributing um, to the community. Um, but what we really thrive on and, and, and look to to uh, improve on is, is the, the criticism that comes back. So, so yeah, there, there's a live example on the podcast. Mm. Thank you for your answers. And that's all the questions I have for both of you. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks. So I, I really appreciate it. I know Val does as well. Um, Absolutely. You know, last minute jumping in there because um, we often have these conversations um, offline. And so right. it's great to be able to, you know, air it as well. Um, yeah, but it's different when you know you're being recorded. You know, something just flips. <laughs> um, but yeah, this has been great. Uh, it's, yeah, it's Good. different. Good. Sure. Thanks, Siri. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And like I say, I really appreciate you stepping in at the last minute and uh, putting us in the hot seat. You went light on us. So um, maybe in the yeah. future when you uh, when you got us back in the hot seat, uh, if there's another yeah. opportunity, you'll probably go a bit harsher. Um, but that's I'm all just good. Up. You were just warming up. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Good to hear. Good to hear. Well, folks, that's all we have time for on this episode, uh, but it doesn't have to stop here. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for bonus bits and our website for a link to our online community with our, all of our expert guests. Support our charities and access blogs and previous podcasts at projectchatterpodcast.com. A big thanks to Suri for hosting the show today. Yay. Thanks as always. Yeah, yay. Big round of applause. And thanks as always to Val. And thank you all for listening. Hit subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Till then, we say stay safe, be disruptive, and have fun doing it. It's bye for now. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the participating individuals and not necessarily to the individual's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. Additionally, any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual.